Kia ora no. Welcome back to today's edition of the Department of Conversation with me, Pat Britton, and thanks for joining us again. Hey, if you would like to uh, find out more about us, if you'd like to connect with us, you can follow me on my personal socials at Pat Brittenden, P-A-T-B-R-I-T-T-E-N-D-E-N, all one word on both Instagram and also uh, Twitter as well. And you can follow the show's uh, page on Facebook, D-O-C-N-Z, and then just Google us or search us. I was going to say Google us on YouTube. Is that correct? I guess it is because Google owns YouTube. Anyway, uh, if you look up, well, whatever you're doing, if you look up the DOCNZ as a hashtag, the DOCNZ, uh, you'll find us all over the place. That's the hashtag we use on Twitter and on uh, YouTube as well. <clears throat> hey, um, thanks for joining us again today. Busy old time of year, obviously. We've got a lot going on at the moment. I have a uh, 14-year-old at home with me at the moment, finished up school. I have an 11-year-old who finishes school next week, so we used the, day, uh, the time this morning to head out for a couple of hours, and the 14-year-old got all of her shopping done for her siblings, which was quite nice, actually. And the years gone by, what we've done is taken the kids to, like, uh, the Wadi Fuddy or to the mall or something, and kind of said, let's go for a walk around, let's talk to your siblings about what they'd like for Chrissy from you, and let's... um. Then you guys can split up and go and, you know, find Christmas presents. But today is the first time ever, the first year ever, that I've actually had just one of my kids with me. And we've gone out, me and them, spent some one-on-one time together and just uh, spoken of the other two siblings. It was kind of cool, actually. My old man comes to Dunedin uh, tomorrow as we record this. He's going to be with us for the week. And by then, the 11-year-old will have finished primary school. And then I'm going to do the same with her probably next Friday take her out by herself to buy presents for her sibling and siblings. And then, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool, actually, just spending some one-on-one time with your kids, talking Christmas and going, you know, what's our budget and what can you afford and what do they like? And uh, I think it's really important as well when you've got your kids to get them to focus outwardly sometimes. So there was, of course, times where the 14-year-old got a little bit distracted and started going, hmm, I'd quite like to buy this for me, I would. And you kind of go, well, that's cool. Let's come back to the more, well, God, not this weekend. It'll be terrible. But another time and look at those things. At the moment, we are focusing on others. And, um, yeah, a good way to give and a good way to uh, get them externally focused just for a wee minute. So that was fun. Spoke to my sister again today as well, and she's in Auckland, and there was a accident on one of the motorways, uh, and she said it took her an hour and a half to get home, which normally takes 20 minutes. And I thanked my lucky stars about living in Dunedin, because an hour and a half as well. It took me and my 14-year-old to leave the house, to go to the mall, to do the shopping, to go quickly to see a client, to go to the pet store on the way home, pick up some presents for rabbits, which apparently is an important thing to do, and then come home. That was a whole hour and a half. Whereas an accident on Auckland's motorway caused my uh, much, 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 much older sister <laughs> an extra hour and a half in her day. God bless you, Dunedin. I pray for your souls, people living in Auckland. Just kidding. Um, Right, so today, Simon McKinney is uh, New Zealand's foremost impressionist, a comedian, a host, uh, an artist, an animator, uh, one of those guys who seems to be good at everything he does, (laughs) which is often annoying, isn't it? And uh, I met Simon. Simon is Dunedin-based. I met him in the last couple of years, and we've been talking for probably the last year about getting together and doing a podcast, and it was very cool to be able to catch up with Simon McKinney today. Uh, Enjoy the time that I spent with him. Here is Simon McKinney. 
As we go live, yes, we are live with Simon McKinney, uh, raconteur, hmm. based in Dunedin. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, Pat. Yeah. Now, Dunedin, I like that. Dunedin. Yeah, you made it sound like very middle of the road. I am, first of all, wanting to know what the fuck a raconteur is. I mean, when I think here, raconteur, I think speakeasy, 1930s, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, when we put up your, you know, comedian coming yeah. on, because... Yeah. To, to be honest, your website refers your own website refers to you as a comedian. <laughs> yeah. You're like raconteur, and I'm like, okay, cool, whatever, whatever the guest wants, that's what we'll do. So explain what that means to to me. Well, I haven't changed my website, and I need to because I thought I'd be popping in here today. And if anybody wanted to go and see it, I need to check because it's an out of date website. Ah. I need to update it, and so I've slowly slid from comedian into into uh, somebody that talks and hosts events and MCs and things. And comedy's sort of been a bonus. So raconteur. I said that to you. I was expecting you to laugh back. You know, like it's a it's a raconteur is a kind of a, a bit of a wanky term for you know uh, a guy that tells what is it spiraling tales. Nice. And so I thought I would become a spiraling storyteller yeah, type well, guy. It's now official because even mm. if it's not on your website, it's on all our information. It's, so if nothing else, this can be your first uh, like, and it's it, called an anic, an anic, an an note, an, not an anecdote. But there's a uh, when you when you notify something within a other list. I oh yes, a footnote. Yeah, something like that. Or a, yeah, yeah. Mm. But we can be the first for you to be officially yeah, on to. It's such a pretentious term. It's so funny. It's also quite a good uh, business card though. Yeah. Or you'd have to have under your name as Raconteur, phone number. So you have name, Raconteur, phone number. That's right. And of course, everybody immediately does what you do and go, what the hell's a Raconteur? Yeah. So Billy Connolly had an album called Rec on Tour, which was pretty good. W-R-E-C-K. And I was like, ah, I see what you did there. Yeah. You have, I guess, what, made a living? Is that the right thing to say? Primarily with comedy for a long time. But mm. as you say, you're sort of known as, well, known, but... Uh, when we first met, and I met you after moving to Dunedin, um, you know, your lifestyle sounded amazing. It's like, you know, living in Dunedin, which is cheaper than a lot of other parts of the country, uh, but still, uh, you know, performing in a professional capacity like anyone living in some of the bigger cities and doing stuff all over the South Pacific and doing stuff on cruise ships and that kind of thing. And I thought COVID comes along and, okay, all of that's finished. Mm. None of that is left anymore. Yeah. But but up until COVID, you know, you as a, I often say to people, what's on your business card, you know? Talking about raconteur, yeah. Yeah, as your kind of primary source of income, which is what I kind of normally think about what people's primary job is, mm. what is it? What, what was it? I had about four on yeah. the go at once. Yeah. I was um, I was a voice, I am a voiceover artist, so I had that going. Luckily, that's lasted through COVID. Um, and yeah, a corporate MC, um, a, a writer, and I, I was all these different things all at once because they all went in that same pocket if you were being funny or silly in any way there you could get people asking uh for your services and yeah have you done any of that sort of um online mc work like i've spoken no. to uh, i spoke to radar during the breakdown mm. uh, and there's been a couple of actual conferences that had to become online conferences that he still emceed mm. which i thought was kind of quirky and kind of cool at the same time mm. you don't have you had any of those opportunities come before you i don't like watching them uh that sounds really bad because they're a good thing and they're great to keep the industry going and they're really good exercise for what goes on there but to me i've I, i'm i'm in love i prefer the, the the kick of a of a group of a room yeah and there's a hum musicians say it as well too there's a yeah. hum that happens with a crowd with people present Everyone on screen, when you do those things there, they're watching the... You become the guy that, that gave it a go. 
and there's nothing wrong with that because you're doing a really good job. You're doing the best you possibly can if you're hosting one of these things. But there's a kind of a sympathy look through the screen for everybody else. They're like, oh, I see what Aww. he's doing there. That would have been so good if you had been here in person. That's right. Yeah, they can, <laughs> it's like somebody watching your recording of a concert, you know, and they go, oh, that would have been amazing. You yeah. were front row. But it's just it, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I kind of during during lockdown, there were other things to be done and other avenues to pursue. And especially because if uh, if this was to be long lasting, then you sort of want to it's fun to get inventive and to innovate and to find new things that you can do. Um, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's good to, to dream up what might be. It's it's a, it's a interesting thought about what it would have been like if people had have been there. Like, it would have been fun to be Have mm. you seen, there's a show on Amazon Prime called LOL with Rebel Wilson. Oh, yeah. One of the funniest shows I've ever seen in my life. I've watched it twice, the series twice. Yeah. It is 10 Australian comedians, and I'll be honest, I didn't really know any of them other than um, Sam, I forget his surname, but he's been on 8 out of 10 cats, does count down a few times. He's got, like, he's bald on top and he's got hair and a big moustache. So, anyway, the name eludes me right now. Mm. Um, but I, the other guys I didn't really I didn't really know. Mm. And it's a competition on one Saturday afternoon mm. over six hours, and the competition is you 10 comedians have to be in this room together mm. and no one's allowed to laugh. <laughs> Ah, that's the good. competition right and it is yeah. hilarious yeah and the thing about the if you had have been there moment was they start doing this thing even within this new little community they go yeah that would have been funny that was just so you know that's a that's a really right. funny comment and they if it acknowledge was in, it yeah. if it was at any other kind of moment in my life i'd be laughing <coughs> yeah. hard right now that's, that's a really funny moment yeah. so it's interesting just actually seeing yeah this other world be brought together and then acknowledge the other world. Yeah. So, so yeah, honestly. That, but that's good they don't give them flags or anything to hold up, which would mean a laugh. That mean, They have to verbalize. That would have been extremely funny. You know, that, One of the comedians brings along a whistle and she oh, goes, good, okay. and she blows the whistle. And they're like, what's in that? And, I'm, I, and the, the whistle's for the opposite. When someone's unfunny, I'm going to blow the whistle. So. Right. I see, so yeah. obviously they spend the whole time trying to make each other laugh. Yeah, yeah. It is. I, you know, I mean, I don't know if you find the same, but. There's not a lot that I watch on TV, especially if I'm by myself, mm. that I actually laugh out loud at. I can watch a Dave Chappelle comedy special or whatever and go, this is genius, I'm loving, this is so funny, mm. but it still doesn't necessarily bring out that laugh that becomes contagious when you're in a, when you're in a group, mm. when you're in the room. Mm, mm. This one I probably laughed out loud 10, 15, 20 times. But honestly, yeah. It's, yeah. it's just so funny. I would recommend it to anybody. It's called LOL and Rebel Wilson is the host. Okay, host of it. LOL. And Rebel. I actually avoid it to start off with because I'm not a huge fan of Rebel Wilson. Mm. And I think it was one of those, oh, you know, I'm a bit bored. What's this? Oh, let's have a look. Yeah, isn't that? And it was amazing. Um, okay, I'm going to check it out because isn't that funny how something can be, if you've seen somebody somewhere and they've sort of tainted your view on whatever, you need somebody like yourself to say, no, 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 seriously, no matter what you think of them, go back and see that one again. Because what it is, that it's, it's these guys um, performing, you know, fifteen minute of on guard comedy skits mm. to try and make their mates laugh. Mm, yeah, yeah, and you'll know this. I'm I'm not a stand up comedian, but I've been around enough of them to know that the funniest a stand up comedian sort of ever is is in the green room out the back making his mates laugh. Yep, because that's, right. that's where all the rawest and the realest yeah. and the most cuttingness comes out. Yep. And this program, you've got I don't know. 
four, five, six episodes with these comedians doing that. It's fucking awesome. That's okay. I'm going to check it out. That sounds yeah. awesome. LOL, it's called. LOL. Yeah. And you're right about that. In the green room, you're sharpening your blades for what's going to happen on stage. You're getting everything ready. And so you vent and you find your level. The green room is like a little, um, it's like a little check. You know, recently, there's been words about people saying i went to this comedy club and what they said offended me and because <sighs> they were and 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 what somebody said recently was very wise they said a, a comedy club is a workshop and what you're doing is you're allowed in you're allowed in you pay to get in there are terms yourself. and conditions to your ticket but yeah, yeah what you're watching is you're watching somebody workshop some stuff and it's a little bit like in the dark you f- you find out where the furniture is so you don't bump into it they sort of say right so that's all right whoops and half the crowd goes you stepped over the line they roar with laughter but anyone that doesn't that, that gets really put out by that you have to say no no it's all right it's it, he just found out where that was and he's pushing it now he's prodding it but he knows where it is you know so you sort of don't you're not allowed to say oi but in the green room you can go way over <laughs> yeah, and then you yeah. can go all right sort of backtrack a bit where's the line and then go out and play with that line there it's also why i like listening to comedians doing podcasts together like mates like there's one two bears one cave that i listen to mm. which is bert kreischer and tom segura all right <laughs> they're best mates yeah, and they yeah. all they do is they never have guests yeah just once a week they talk for an hour and a half and because they're mates and they're comedians they go well over that line on that mm. podcast because it's kind of like a green room. Yes, they do cut some things out. You can hear sometimes they're saying, bleep, bleep. yeah, there's mm. a bleep on that one or whatever. Mm. But it's a, it's a lot rawer and realer. Yeah. And it and it made me think about you, actually. Uh, I know that you are saying the raconteur thing at the moment and more maybe work or payment coming from hosting and that sort of thing. But what I, I follow and listen to a lot of comedians in America, in particular, the UK as well, but America seems to be where they've got the podcasting thing nailed down. Mm. So there seems to be more more content coming from there. Mm. And they're all talking about missing getting in front of that crowd and trying to figure out ways to do it during the COVID lockdown. Mm. Are you someone who, you live in Dunedin, but obviously you do stuff all over the world. Mm. Are you someone who every now and again just has that that need to jump on stage somewhere because they do comedy uh, like down at Inch Bar on Thursday nights or whatever. Do you ever just jump up into them because you, yeah. you just want to you want to test run some stuff? You want to try some stuff out? Yeah, for sure. The Laura, my wife, she used to we used to laugh because if I went two weeks without a gig, I would get fidgety. You know, <laughs> I'd be kind of a bit sort of something would be up, and she would say, "You need to gig, don't you?" And I'd say. How'd you guess? And she'd be like, because then the puns come out. Everything goes a bit dad jokey at home. And, <laughs> and Laura's amazing because she's very, she's the, she's perfect because she doesn't humor me. If I'm shooting stuff off there, she's got a, you talked about a, um, a, a sort of a, a, what is it, a button, no, a buzzer, a whistle that lady had before yeah, yeah. to say it wasn't Things funny. Aren't funny. Laura has one which is, uh, I am funny. And it's a noise she makes if she's busy and can't have time to indulge. So she'll go, ar, 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 and then oh. carry on. And that means I acknowledge <laughs> what you've said. I realize you think it's funny. I applaud your efforts, and then we're going to move on. Sounds like the Popeye laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's just listening to something. I'll say something. She'll be, ar, 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 and then carry on. <laughs> like you have been noticed, you know, like a child. So, um, uh, yeah. Um, so over COVID, it was really, like, interesting, and you just had to find other ways. But, yes, you talk about around town. The Inch Bar is a wonderful place. It used to be at Zanzibar. In fact, we popped in there a while back. And uh, Laura sort of said, you want to hop up and do something? And I was like, well, yeah, but I mean, these people, you know, you sort of want to. I did, and it was great. And, and the place um, was full of people who really loved it. And, and afterwards, the owners were sort of like, hey. And one of them had sort of looked me up online, like, what the hell? They got the name and that kind of thing there. So I didn't. It was, it was great. It was a really good night. And the other acts were really good and everything there. So the whole thing bounced along just fine. But you'll catch comedians doing that. They're just, any chance they can get, they'll hop up and have a wee go. Um, 
if you could do me a favor mm. just behind that screen over there is my phone i just heard it chirp yes if you want to grab it for me and right. i'll turn it off and while you're doing that sorry it's very unprofessional of me but that's how we roll yeah, behind it, was just, it was just sitting over there i heard it go chirp chirp so no no, no? all right maybe maybe it's not all right don't worry about yeah, it don't worry about it that's, that just shows how uh, how wrong I have floor. life. That's no. right. Um, <laughs> chances are it won't go off over here. I never get called. I don't give any calls. <laughs> I'm interested as well in your, your take, and you started to talk about people getting offended by comedy. Mm. And the way you describe it, I've heard many comedians talk about before, is that what's worse than when people get offended by you know, someone on stage trying something is they're not aware that it might be the first night they've tried it. Mm. And a lot of comedians uh, in parts of the world seem to kind of uh, you know, gig for a year to two years they get their 60 to 70 minutes down pat and then they put the special out on Netflix or HBO or whatever it is. If it's day one mm. of that year to 18 months of getting it down, it can be pretty wrong. And the thing we always hear about raw comedians is they don't translate well in the written word. Oh, yeah, no. Because <laughs> in the written word, you don't get the inflection? No, that's right. Or you don't get the eyebrow raise? Oh, there's and... so much. It's it, it, it's like texting or messaging. You can break up a perfectly good relationship with a good friend or whatever simply through messaging. Through So much can be conveyed by not just facial but also voice and sound. It's in the delivery. Oh, it goes without saying. I mean, raw nights are, are wonderful because they are either gold or the most wonderful tragedy happening on stage like somebody essentially verbally bursting into flame and, and so it's either going to be amazing and you've got these uncut diamonds as well too like these raw comedians who are doing their thing and the the pros or older comics and veterans and things will, will often stand around the back and say that is absolute gold and they don't even know it you know they'll say to each other that person there if they can hone that and not get it trampled out of them with people as precious as that, you sort of want them to not watch too much other stuff, you know. And um, and the same with class comedians as well, too. A program that we had, um, and we would go around the schools and um, perform school-safe stuff to rooms, to assembly halls. And we'd say to the kids, if you're interested, sign your name up, or if you've got a funny friend or whatever, and then they would sign up and thing. And we wouldn't train them how to be funny yeah, because right. the, that's the wonderful thing about stand-up. It's not like acting or anything else. Like at Toy Fakare and other places there, they they like it when you come in and you're sort of a bit of a blank canvas because then they can, the, here's what you need to know. Yep. With comedy, you can't say, here's how you do it. What we would say to the kids is we would say, you're, you're pretty physical. When you told that, like they all tell a story or show us what you got. And if... So you're moving your arms and things around a lot. You've got really good facial movements and stuff. I think you would enjoy these people. You give them a bunch of international Jim comics. Carrey. That's right. Yeah. Physical stuff. Yeah. Yep. And and you give them as close to home as you can get to to show them that it can be done. You know, Reese Darby and that kind of thing there. And and then you say to others, you're very verbal. You're great. Some of them are so static that it's just their monotone that's funny. So you say, all right, you check out these guys and you reel off a list the of names. The deadpan, yeah. yeah. That's a real Kiwi thing, isn't it? Like I was talking to someone yesterday, just yesterday, about the um, Flight of the Concords. And obviously they play music, but some of their conversations between the songs are the funniest things. Mm. Always so deadpan, that straight thing. Yeah. Um, the other thing was about style. Do mm. you, you must know about the Billboard Burr, Philadelphia Philadelphia around. incident, yeah. So yeah. people who don't know, I mean, I'm not going to play it. Probably it'll get us pulled off and, and, and that. But basically what happens, and I've heard the story about why, and if you go look it up, you'll find, look, there's a clip right here. Let me just show people. Let me show people what we're looking at. It's on YouTube here. There's actually a clip here that says um, Bill Burr fully ran what actually happened. Mm. So you can actually go and find out what happened. But long story short, he spends 13 minutes berating the audience. 
everything terrible about Philadelphia that he thinks. And he counts it down. I'll just jump halfway and have a listen. Fucking losers. <laughs> fucking Rocky is your hero. The whole pride of your city is built around a fucking guy who doesn't even exist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's one line. The yeah. one, one line from yeah. 13 minutes of him doing that yeah. over and over and over and over again. It, I mean, the story behind it doesn't matter, but it's based on... Um, he's putting his foot on the gas. He's accelerating away when because he's realised that he's gone beyond a point now where the crowd are beyond hating him. They actually want him hurt. Well, well, that sort of did happen, but the actual, apparently the story is the night was terrible, yeah. and it started terribly for all, because there was a whole bunch of comedians on, and there was a couple of guys who were there who got off stage really quickly, mm. because they realised how bad it was, mm. and Bill got out there and kind of did that. That got really bad reviews, obviously, <laughs> but you speak to any comic who was there, I've heard Bob Saget talk about that night, oh, yeah. and they were like, it's the best night of stand-up from Bill Burr I've ever seen. Well, it is, and it, because it's adversity. If you look at it for comedic value, some people would say, he's just berating the crowd and there's no context so yeah written, written down it's not very <laughs> funny but if you look at what he's dealing with look at the context and things it's a master class and you you have to be smart to do this bill burr is extremely smart and eloquent he's just has that so many comics do that thing where they have a rough demeanor and but then they'll get eloquent and people will sort of go yeah but bill knew exactly what he was so doing he sounds working class but he's actually really smart and has yeah a lot he's kind of got that thing going on you know he's chatting the way like this and that and you know, you know what i'm talking and he, he you get a free pass into people's psyche with that kind of thing yeah, you know, yeah. the guys and then when you start speaking re and like weaving tales and doing stuff like he does the crowd are kind of ooh, he's like multi he's a swiss army knife you know and he yeah he wanted to see how angry he could get the crowd and so it's it's a it's a masterclass using a situation that m might never be captured on camera again, which is full of such hatred. He went for it. He could have bailed, but instead yeah. he went. And the, and he also knew the comedic um, uh, uh, result of counting down the minutes. Although he, four minutes to go, you yeah, know. When he's although he did get off stage mm. and say to Bob Saget, "I think I just ruined my career." So in that moment, even though he went for it, he yep. wasn't qu he wasn't quite sure. I heard that too. Yeah, if he'd done the right thing, and Bob was like, "This is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life." Yeah, but that can happen, you see, because he would have been lost in the moment. Mm. He would have done it for his own personal enjoyment, and 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 then he would have felt selfish walking off stage, going. I was sort of, holy crap, I, I just waste a whole lot of time making And, and my, who's coming on after me? Making myself <laughs> laugh. Yeah, who have I wrecked things for? But what he didn't, what you never realize, so many comics never realize this, is when they're on stage, and I, I get this, you get lost in the moment. The best comedy happens when you get completely lost in the moment. I've delivered a story on stage, before, many, many stories on stage. It used to happen more when I was first starting out. And I would lose myself in the story, and the minute you are lost and you aren't self-aware, the crowd love it mm. because they... Uh, and you can't concoct this. You can't act this. You've got to feel it in your bones. Some comedians go on stage and they, they know, well, I know how to act. I've watched enough comedy. I can copy the movements and stuff. Nope, you're thinking too much about yourself. Mm -hmm. You're not, because the minute you go, you start doing whatever and flipping out and, and imagining it in your head and then acting it out, people are watching you and they're going, he's not even in the room with us here. Yeah, now. Yeah. We're, just, we're watching a, a direct feed, a live stream to the middle of his psyche. And then when you, and in, at the end, I've gone, and got to the end and then you sort of wake up like out of a dream and with a bit of luck everyone's applauding and cheering and stuff and then you realize you're done you come off stage and you sort of go i've said i don't know what happened i've been you know i've been totally sober and everything's fine the, the comedians if you're lucky they're going that was good dude and you say i wish i was there it sounds like it's the equivalent of the all black getting knocked in the head at halftime and not remembering the second half yeah but that's right you but played it's the well knocked yeah. in the head version of it. <laughs> that's right you ran over the line you scored three tries <laughs> oh wow great cool man yeah um 
the thing about Bill Burr in that situation, and for people, if you're listening again, just look up Bill Burr, Philadelphia. Mm. It'll be the first result. And it's about a 13-minute clip. Mm. Is he was obviously being offensive for the sake, on purpose. He knew he was being offensive, offending everything about Philadelphia. Mm. What do you think about audiences today who seem, there are some aspects, as we you kind of touched on it earlier on, who are offended by everything. Mm. And you're getting these conversations starting up now where people are trying to say, you can't make a joke about that because you're not a part of community X or community Y. Mm. And it seems that the some in the audience are trying to dictate what some on stage can say. And Chappelle's actually a good example of this. I don't know if you you probably know about this, but when his latest release, uh, Netflix release, got stuck out into to Netflix, um, there was a bit of controversy about some of his jokes, and they put it on Rotten Tomatoes, and mm. they let the... Um, they let the, I always get confused, but there's one side that's like the professional reviewers and one side that's the audience. Right. The professional reviewers, about seven of them scored at zero. Mm. Out of 100, zero. Mm. They then opened up to the audience and after you know 10,000 people chimed in, it was a 99% special. Mm. And he's won, I think, three Grammys in a row mm. for his comedy. So the industry is saying you're fucking awesome. The people are saying you're fucking awesome, but there is a small sector of people who write the articles, mm. who perhaps and I and I, I think activism is an amazing thing, and I'm not talking it down, but I'll put it this way: are listening to some of the activists saying you shouldn't be doing this, but that that wheel seems to be quite squeaky as well. Mm. Um, it's it's always been there, and it used to manifest itself in different forms. I think what we're seeing now, and what you're talking about there, is a is a globalized version of what used to happen on a on a smaller scale. And that was if you're in a crowd, it's I used, I always ask for the lights to be down because a crowd laughs more in the dark because right. they're not aware of other people ah, around them. I if, can laugh more freely. This person doesn't see me. Yeah, right. And when the lights have been up before for whatever reason, you know, um, and I've seen pockets of the audience there are some that don't care yeah but then there are some that might know somebody over there and you can see the look on their face they've got this whole so i'm not going to laugh until you know sarah laughs over there you right. know if she or she's not finding it funny they might have been about to laugh and then right. they didn't and so you've a lot of that and that can spread silence can spread like a virus and it's nothing to do with as much you. like laughed again that's right, yeah. 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 It, it can if, if you have a laugh, and if somebody's really roaring with laughter, people can have another look again, you know, and not know why. So what you're looking at is a larger version of people being a little bit too nervous about what other people might think. There are so many reasons that you cannot you cannot say these people are right, these people are wrong. There are so many shades of grey uh, in the whole thing that it it's circumstantial. Like some people say, you can't talk about that. You can talk about anything. It depends on the joke. And many comedians have said this before, you know, because that's the number one question. What's what's right and what's wrong? Well, it comes down to context and it comes down to, um, uh, yeah, the the people and their reasons why. Mm. Because people can get really upset on behalf of Joe. Or whoever. Well, it often and, happens, and you, doesn't and it? And then you realise if you, if you went to Joe, he would say, oh, I'm not bothered at all yeah, by that. that so that often happens. There's often people outside the group mm. defending a group or person, as you say, mm. and the group or person, a lot of them are saying, oh, I don't know. Yeah. And that then leads into this so idea. So are you fighting for me? Because I don't. I can fight for myself. <laughs> Thank you, though. I appreciate it. But you've just ruined that guy by fighting for me. So if people just laughed at what they find funny and didn't at what they don't and it, it's a moment to be selfish when you're an audience member I think the you don't I, have to explain to anyone around you why you laugh I think the idea of rules in stand-up comedy to me seem to be problematic oh like, yeah like one of the rules you hear out is you should never punch down and on one level I hear that but then watch fucking Bill Burr he spends 13 minutes punching down yeah and it's 
Hilarious. Yeah, because he's not being mean, because he has declared that he is doing a silly thing. If you can do a silly thing on stage and declare it, then yeah, then that's what he does. You know he's not mean. No one's going, that's cruel, because he's declared that he's being... Well, then there are a few boos. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, there's so many, but there are so many different levels. There are, there are certainly no rules. And the more varied the comedy that, that comes out of the industry, the better. And the, the, the newer types, some comedians in the past have felt threatened because there have been new types of comedy coming through. There's, uh, there, are, there are people who step on the fingers of those climbing the rungs of the ladder because they're afraid that they might be overtaken. And I've been sort of of the mind, do it, come on past. You know, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just having a blast and I, I'm, I'm having a really good run. It was, you know, and if somebody wants to rocket past me, great. Well, that's good. That means I'm trying and that means they've, they've found a way in and, and, and all speed to them. In fact, you help them on the way. Because then everybody wins. This well, well, it's more than that, though, because, and I, I've done this in broadcasting, actively sat on people's coattails for a while, yeah. and, <laughs> yeah. and I, but I've been blunt about it, um, and then basically kind of gone back, and when they've moved on past me, or, or when I've, my career's gone past them, then they've sat on my coattails. Yeah. It's, it's just basically the different version. I remember in my 20s, I was working full-time, and I had a friend who was a student, and then I went back to university. Uh, Sorry, well, I was working full-time and they were a student. And so we went to the movies. We were just mates and I paid for them to go to the movies. Mm. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. And I said, no, this is how it works. You know, I'm working full-time. Mm. I can afford to pay for your movie ticket. You know, I went back to university and then you know what happened the following year? Mm. They took me to the movies. Yeah. It was yeah. like I sat on their coattails. And if someone surpasses whatever that even means, yep. the career path you're on, and you can jump on them. And it's like this. Whether you're the person with the coattails yep. or whether you're the person riding the coattails, as long as it's not nefarious, mm. you're both moving forward. That's exactly it. When I was little, I was in a running race at school and mum and dad were up in the stands watching and I sprinted ahead of the pack. I've got muscly wee hobbit legs that I've done a lot of lifting with dad and stuff and building and things like that. So I, could, I found I could take off very fast and I sped out ahead of the group. But my friend was coming second, so I slowed down so that he and I could cross the line <laughs> together because I didn't want to, what's the point in rocketing ahead and being, so I, I slowed down and he and I crossed together. And mum and dad said there was the weirdest noise from the whole crowd, all the banks of the, on the, gra up on the grass, they were, people went, oh, good, but no, but oh, no. And so, yeah, it's, I've liked that thing where you want to you want to do it as a team it's mm. like a band rather than a solo singer it's collaboration on yeah something. it's like if yeah. we can if we can all go over here and have, have a look over here and also the ones that have had a, a good look say come sneak through here it look it's really good it's fun over the side and i don't want to enjoy it alone mm. i'm interested as well because that thing we were talking about before to do with uh you know what's found offensive that then leads into this new thing we hear about called cancel culture mm. and people having to apologize for what they did in the past mm. you know the kevin hart incident about he made some what are now deemed homophobic jokes, whether they were in the day or not. I actually haven't seen the jokes, so I'm not sure. Mm. He apologised for them soon after they happened. You know, 15 years later, he gets the Oscars. They bring them up again. He pulls out of the Oscars. Mm. Um, and yet some people also get a pass. Eddie Murphy, his comeback to um, stand-up is being touted by everyone as the most amazing thing. You look at Delirious... Mm. which is one of the most amazing stand-up routines one will ever see. Yeah, really The good. way he refers to what we now call the LGBT community, yeah, yeah. pretty harsh yep. in there and mm. pretty of the era. Yeah. And this is the rule I typically have. Don't judge me by the standards of the day today. Yeah. 
you can judge me by the laws of the day today. Mm. If person X committed a heinous crime against person Y in 1995, fine. Mm. Judge me by that. Well, judge person X by that in 2020. If mm. person X said something which unfortunately society deemed fairly acceptable in 1995, mm. you, you can't judge me by that today. No, the- and, and stop this cancel culture where we are pulling things off Twitter feeds and out of interviews and movies from 40 years ago and mm. saying that means you're a bad person today. Mm. Well, that's what we were talking about. That That's an example of what we were talking about before where people are saying, look what I found, let's get him. And that is uh, virtue signaling, it, or it can be. It's about as much, it's about as much virtue signaling as, um, like, you know, hey, it, it's, it's, it's a weird one because... If you say, hey, look what I found, you've had to dig. You, again, you've got to look at intent. Now, that Eddie Murphy stuff, in the, in the, that, that, that was difficult to watch at the time and I, uh, or whenever I saw it, whenever, whenever I first saw it at years and decades ago. That was, that was odd then because you were like, that's mean. You know, what a shame he's mean. He's funny when he wasn't mean towards a group of people. He can be mean towards celebrities or whatever, mm. but not towards a, a group. And, um, yeah, but that's right. It was, but it's also intent. Uh, he he didn't mean to destroy and people could say, Well, it doesn't matter that you didn't mean to destroy, you don't say that. And that's that's true now. There's plenty of other stuff to talk about. Um but yeah, dredging up um like the Kevin Hart thing. Can he do the job? Is he likely to flare up and do things again? Or has he really, you know, had a big fright from what he did then? Because I don't think he would have been great at the Oscars and things. But I'm I'm not one to comment because this has been discussed by comedians the world over. So. Oh, well, that means you, you mm. are one to comment. You're a comedian mm. the world over. Um, I don't know what it is. Uh, yes, I do. I'm thinking, and it's coming to my mind, the captain of the Argentinian rugby team mm. just got demoted from his captaincy, mm. I think for something he did when he was 14. Oh, I heard about that one. Yeah, and, and I something just, way back. But, but I, it, maybe it's because of the world of social media. Now everything's out there. Mm. If you could look at, I think, anyone's life when they were 14, mm. you're going to find horrible things said and done comparing it to the, the puritanical society we seem to be aiming for in 2020. Well, yeah, and also, do you want to cultivate a society of people that are afraid to say something? Because context is all important. When you talk away in a public forum, I mean, things are going to get pretty dull if you mm. can't chat freely. Because, well, what did that, hang on, how did that sound? You know, if you're second-guessing every sentence, well, what fun is that going to be? That's the spice of why people tune into stuff is, is he going to put a foot wrong? I mean, it's like somebody said, watching Indianapolis 500, you know, why do you think all those people go along to watch that? They don't go there to watch a whole bunch of cars turning left. They're waiting for the first crash. Mm. You know, so there's a bit of that in every uh, debate, and there needs to be more debates, I, I feel. I know there's a lot going on, but there need to be. With big issues, people are, are fighting online when you need spokespeople to be able to have a debate. There should be much more of that, and especially in New Zealand as well too, not just between um, you know, presenters and the person, but between two sides. When they used to have more of those debates, that was wonderful because there was so much gold in there and somebody could put a foot wrong. Then you can discuss the issues brought up there. Mm. Um, I just spiralled off into a weird direction there, but you, <laughs> no, you know what I mean though. Like, yeah, yeah. like if people are afraid to talk freely because of what they could be quoted on later, you're killing off. Just take it in the context in which it was meant. I I, I have to say I heard a headline mm. 
I haven't read this article myself. I should probably Google it because I don't want to put like the old fake news out there. But I heard someone talking the other day about an article that either Twitter or one of the major social medias is mm. thinking about putting a like a, a term limitation on your tweets or whatever the version it is. So after two years or something, everything before that gets deleted. And that kind of says to me, are they actually acknowledging and addressing the problems that that their platforms are also now causing that, you know, the standards by 15 years ago, people mentioning things, mm. they, they, they don't want to be held responsible for a celebrity X being cancelled based on something they said when they were 14 and actually not a celebrity and not a high-profile person at all. I, I don't know. I, like I said, I don't... Twitter I, protecting themselves. That'd be, that's odd because they're, they're just the messenger. They're the conveyance. Well, there's laws in America, and this is what Trump's talking about at the moment, that... Mm that the social media law two two whatever it is that he's been banging on about with his big orange face mm. um <laughs> that that they've actually had to draft a law that the social media giants aren't responsible for the content that is on those places because mm. you couldn't be could you imagine no. it's like when they there was a there was a word for a while that youtube was going to hold um channel holders accountable for the comments in the th and you can't do no, that no. you get someone that's got fifty thousand comments on their youtube channel yep. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not possible that, and that's that's exactly the same thing as we were just talking about before like you cannot stop free speech you can stop hate speech but you can't stop you but, can't stop hate but speech but actually no I take that back you can't and no. uh, but um, and I, here's, here's what I was just thinking of before is if they tried to police that then you start getting people finding ways around that and a really good example decades and decades and decades ago was because I, I do stop motion animation with you know because I, I I love to do that and I was looking at all different types of animation and a friend of mine told me she said here's I think it was a Czechoslovakian cartoon and it was two little guys builders you know who would uh, go around they're just simple clay guys there and there was music playing and so there was very Czechoslovakian kind of you know happy backward eyes and ends and that's probably Russian <laughs> but they were building things in their house and stuff was getting done and one and one of the things was they had to do the dishes one time so they put all the dishes in the bath and they got a big sort of drill and they fixed rags on it and then they did all that and it smashed all the dishes up so now that didn't work and they would try different things and it was just and, and but what it was what found out later was in that country political commentary was forbidden but the makers of this children's cartoon managed to put in the the politics of the of the day and what had recently happened with the country and the things that they had done wrong in the form of these two guys messing things up mm. all the time and that way the it's it got snuck through the censor didn't go hey that's political commentary on the movements of the because so then adults were tuning in and roaring with laughter at this kids thing so you see what i mean it got snuck through yeah. there's and art finds a way that if you start to restrict people things are going to get mighty sneaky and then the boundary isn't going to matter yeah. are you someone who uh like if you talk about the style of stand-up that you've done mm. are you a particular because because one thing i didn't know about you and until we started looking at doing this was i mean your website talks about you know the impressions that you do and we've heard a few of them sort of today and like we've talked about doing some stuff some digital stuff together and um knowing that that's a, a in your bag i now understand a bit more about the ideas we've talked about which still you know aren't going to release just yet mm -hmm. um but is that something that's uh, like how your stand-up routine like we talked about kyle dunnigan the other day and mm. I, I love him to bits and he uses face swap and you know go look him up if you if you haven't seen yeah, him. He's, he's, he's hilarious um does a great caitlin jenner just <laughs> the best <laughs> yeah yeah um 
But what about your Kardashians style? as well? He doesn't. Yeah, that's very funny. Mm. Your style? Are you someone who is more observational? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. And 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 do you use the impressions within that? Yes, that's uh, and most of my stories that I tell on stage, in fact, nearly, I can't think of any that aren't, uh, are true. They've actually happened to me, and uh, I love it because the impressions give me free license to construct a, a character that you you would take a while to explain. So you know, so uh, there was uh, th- when I do a German person, for example, I quite enjoy doing. I don't even know who this is. This mm. is some kind of person that talks like this, but you immediately get an idea of what he might be like. Slightly reserved, mm. quiet, uh, yes, quiet man. meek, probably without humor, but that doesn't make him stand a German. You know, this all these. I play on the stereotype. I'm not going yeah. with it. I'm sort of making a, a, a notion towards it. There, I had a German guy come up to me after a gig one time on Hamilton, and I'd done that guy on stage talking about whatever and this backpacker walked up and went I would like to commend you on your German accent it's very good and he was just like I did right. it and I was like, thanks Fine. cheers and I was just yes it was very accurate <laughs> and um, but so when you do that um, like I did the Russian before it's fun to do as well because immediately you have and it, you keep it fun you keep it light hearted and, um, and you can yeah it, it's efficiency of storytelling and when you, I remember when working with theatre sports, when you make an obvious impression of something, mm. and, and what we often talked about was uh, you never play a gay character camp. No. Because you don't make fun mm. of the impression. Mm. So the German, there are some. Um, there are some unspoken things you're saying there, like the sense of humour and stuff, things that might come with stereotypical, mm. you know, what people think about Germans, but you're not actively saying that, doing that. Mm. Uh, and so you're not using the impression to make fun of the people mm. you're using it to help tell the story that's it exactly and that's and that's it as long as people realize that because but some people will still say hey that's mean and then it's, it's i don't know there's only so much you can do you sort of have to rely on the person next to them to say it's all right no i know what he means he's fine he do you mean, do you think well. do you think in comedy that there's this idea that you can't tell some jokes like are there some comedians um that should stay away from some areas there are there is nothing that you cannot make a joke about, but there are some jokes you can't tell because they're they're mean or, they're, or whatever. But there is certainly nothing that you can't. So no subject matter. Yeah, it, because it's all in. It depends on the joke. There yeah. are jokes that haven't been written yet that are really good that deal with really dodgy sub- subject matter. They'll happen in the next year, and they will be gems. And mm. when they happen. That's when comedians cheer other comedians on and the public are kind of like, oh my God, what did I just hear? And at the moment, people are doing that thing now where they're fact-checking or they're immediately, there'll be a pause, there'll be a gasp and they'll be like, can we laugh at that? You know, and then it's like they, they quickly check, yes, we can, you know. Dave Chappelle's really good at that. He'll walk the line and he's worked it out. Totally. He's, it's like Ricky Gervais said, you know, when he was doing the Oscars and he was saying, I, that, I worked out the wording of that joke very carefully with my lawyer. <laughs> well, he wasn't kidding because he, that was, he alluded to something. The crowd gasped because they thought that it was horrible and should they laugh? And then they realized, and then those quicker off the mark were able to say, that was nifty. You just colored inside the lines. And so Dave Chappelle does it wonderfully. All these people have these things worked out well. I heard someone once descri- describe Dave Ch- um, Chappelle, and this is Shapiro then, Dave Chappelle, and the way they described him as a genius, it was a comedian talking, saying that all of us have segues that we get through quickly to go from one story to another or one joke to another. Mm. Dave's segues are as good and as funny as the stuff either side of them. Mm. So there's no, <laughs> yeah, are, there's yeah. nothing in there that's sort of... 
that was the funny bit. Let's now get to the next funny bit. Now we're in the next. It's just all the same. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, one of his stand-up routines on Netflix, he talks about the 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 uh, you know societal uh, comments he makes. Mm. You know, he 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 doesn't make a joke of, and I've said this before. You don't always laugh at what he says, but he brings you along with the story. So he's he's probably I don't know. I, I can't say that because I don't know every comedian, but one of the comedians that I watched it is the, probably the best storyteller. Mm. Now he's telling a story about a, a, a black kid in the 1930s or 40s or no, I think it's 50s being murdered by the Klan. That's a part of his stand-up routine, mm, mm. and you don't come away from it feeling a sense of hopelessness. No. You kind of come away from it actually feeling the opposite mm. after a few inappropriate jokes are thrown alongside it, but. Mm. That's a part of his stand-up routine about a murdered teenage kid mm. in you know the southern states of America in the fifties, mm. and, and and he pulls it off. He does. He he realizes the importance of juxtapositioning, and that's what makes the word genius come out of people's mouths when they talk about him. Um, things that com- comedian. I'll get back to David in a second. I'm just saying that things that comedians do sometimes can appear quite. Uh, um, outstanding to the to the general public to the non-comedians like callbacks for example if you do a whole set and you do a callback to something earlier it's one of the easiest things to do if you can get the timing right mm. but it appears like genius they go oh my god the whole thing came right round and it was a callback so dave chappelle's segueing like you talk about there and his beautiful juxtapositioning of something that is heart-wrenching and really important to talk about and really matters a lot right next to an off-color joke or some bad taste stuff thrown in there because he can mm. because he's the storyteller and also it's his story to mess up as he likes funny grouped with s- sad or meaningful has this wonderful uh, effect where one enhances the other the highs enhance the lows jason cook did that uh, a while back when he was talking about um his father dying when he came to new zealand years ago we went on the comedy convoy tour uh, and there's a select bunch of comics that went around and he talked about his father dying. And at the end of his show, he people w- were racing out of the theatre with tears. They'd had a good time, but they were... And he, he, one of the things he said in the end was, so go call your father. Mm. And he had done this wonderful up and down thing. And it actually, it's quite a nifty thing because it enhances your laugh. Your laugh is is louder after the sad. You want to laugh because you're so like, you know, that, that moment there it happens at funerals and stuff when somebody says something and you find people are oh, they're so yeah. grateful to laugh. Yeah. And, you know, it's that kind of thing there. They So it enhances both. You've been laughing, now you're sad. Now you're up, now you're down. And you, you, you end up like feeling like a wrung out dish rag by the end of it, but you've got your money's worth and you've, you've felt. And it's the experience as well. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, is, is kind of balls of steel. I mean, I don't want to. I mean, this is the last time I'll talk about Dave Chappelle. I promise. <laughs> but the thing about that he does as well is he just doesn't give a fuck. Mm. Like he gets on stage and you see it. I don't know if you've seen. I think they put it on Netflix where he received his Mark Twain Award mm. and he comes out smoking a cigarette mm. and he goes, "I'm smoking a cigarette." And this is, you know, America is the same, if not worse, mm. than New Zealand with, you know, the rules and regulations around smoking inside. And he just comes out smoking a cigarette and he goes, "I'm smoking a cigarette." Mm. Did I ask him his permission? Nope. Yeah, I'm just smoking a cigarette, and no yeah. one told him to stop. And part of that could be because he's Dave Chappelle, and yeah. it was his night. But that seems to be a, another part of the 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 balls to do things and not be afraid about it. Yeah. yeah, and that that must be. Who was I talking to? I was talking to Dave Gibson last night, talking about the just the bravado you have in your twenties, and that those guys had when they started up Alameda P. Mm. And you know the the bravado that seems to be lacking in some of us as we get a bit older that we had when we we're younger. He seems to have more of it, mm. and maybe <laughs> maybe within his 
um, group. I don't know. It's you know, with the age comes wisdom, comes what we would call a certain mana. And now he's like, but the other thing is he's now accepted it, received it, and he's like, yo, bitches, I'll be, I'll say it. Mm. I'll, 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 I'll speak the voice. Although he does say in the Mark Twain thing, he congratulates the young people for picking up. He, I think it happened quite soon after the George Floyd situation. He goes, you guys have picked up the mantle. I'm happy to sit in the back seat. So mm. it's the, he plays this interesting no, that's it. dynamic. He's, but that's that wonderful thing about a benevolent not dictator. dictator what am i trying to say about it you know but a, but a guy that knows when it's time to hand the reins on to the next group dave Chappelle, as far as i know has never demanded respect and that's what makes him respected because those that do don't get it you got to sort of naturally earn it but also when he when he swags on with the cigarette and stuff there when i first saw dave i saw a bit of this attitude going on there and you just take a moment don't you where you go wait a minute because i need a good 30 seconds or a minute here to find out whether it's an act yeah. whether he's trying to swagger or whether it's genuine. So I had to watch him for a bit, and I want, uh, the minute he would, there was no posing going on. It was it was all for real, yeah. and that's when I went, right, good, he's genuine. I'm I'm all yours. You bring it on. You say what you got to say. But people that try, sometimes people try to put on a, you know, whatever. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh no 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 no, don't don't best be be, be you, just yarn. Yeah. I've I find it fascinating that we, I don't know, maybe it's just the American culture has a way of doing things, but. Um, we don't seem to have the same comedy culture in New Zealand. You mm. know, and it's not that I don't think it's that we're too small because some comedians in America, they travel Massachusetts and that's all they do. Mm. So traveling New Zealand, you know, getting that hour together, we don't seem to have, you know, the Die Henwood 60 Minutes and the, you know, the, the Simon McKinney 60 Minutes and the Ben Hurley 60 Minutes coming out every two years. And I, I wonder why that is. I wonder, is it because comedians in New Zealand can tour on their stuff for five years because none of it's sort of televised or we don't seem to have that culture of I want to listen to your CD download digital thing afterwards or watch it on a special it doesn't happen do you know any ideas why um no I I think I think there's a lot of um I'm always fascinated by the comedians that go overseas and then come back and they've had the seal of approval simply by being overseas right and that's still prevalent in New Zealand where it's like well oh, they're, they're back now and they've been given the thumbs up by the rest of the world so we'll accept them now and right. I feel like saying they were like that before they left you know that don't you we could have caught them on the way out rather yeah. than on yeah. the way back and they would Flight have been, of the Concords is a good example yeah, well that's right yeah and people bring up those but there's a lot more as well too yeah. that go over there like I mean I went over to Britain for two years I lived over there I took part in two Edinburgh festivals and I was I did over 300 gigs around England and Scotland and and I had a great time because I chose to do that. That was the way I made my money. If I wasn't funny, I didn't eat. <laughs> so I got pretty hungry for a while there. But when I came back, there was immediately, and I didn't really, I, I found it fascinating. They said, right, Simon's done two festivals, so that puts him up into this echelon. Right. And I thought, hang on. I, I was part of it, but I didn't feel good accepting it. I thought, oi, how come? No, there are so many comics in New Zealand right now that have not seen television. I... Um, I make a perfectly good living going around doing whatever. I do the the ships overseas, but the, just the high end ones. I've just chosen those those. That's my favourite now. The cruise ships are one thing, but the the top ones that go interesting places are what I've picked. And the corporate stuff. And if if comedians hear that from an audience, they go, "Why aren't you on TV?" Well, that's because sometimes it's good to to just to do the do the do the general coverage of the country. All of the comics that uh, are the funniest in New Zealand, or, or you will find some of the funniest comics in New Zealand, 
have gone uh, nowhere near TV. They're just performing and they're getting huge reception everywhere they go. And because TV seems to be a measure amongst the, the public. Like you, if you're on TV, you must be good. And if you're not on TV, then you can't be any good. Sure. But very often, I mean, if, you, if I was a television company wanting to make a comedy show, uh, I wouldn't wait for people to come to me and audition. I would go out and find them. I believe that the people that are making comedy programs in New Zealand should be a little more like Brian Epstein. He had to go down to the cavern to find the Beatles, you know. And if you went to the university comedy competitions and the capping shows that happen around the country, especially down this end, when I was growing up, before I ever did any stand-up and comedy, that's where all the funniest people were. And they they got found because they were funny in their flat. Their friend nudged them on the couch and yeah. said, you should go and tell that. And so this was gold panning. The ca- the capping show ended up being this marvelous collection of odd bods. And, mm-hmm. and, and so it's all been done for you. And if I was a television, somebody that made a show, I would go around all those university places because the, the work's been done. But you, yeah, you, you, yeah. So there's so much natural flowing comedy out there. Um, and so when people shrug and, um, and want to know where the, where the good stuff is, yeah, check out your locals and, and ask around, yeah. I wonder if because we only really seem to have one specialist comedy club in New Zealand, which would be the classic. I don't know if there's actually one in Wellington and Christchurch. Yeah. Like a dedicated only no, comedy no, no. club? No, the classic is still the only yeah, proper dedicated one. Is, yeah. And we've, we had for a while, was it called Live at the Classic? There was like a Thursday, or pop comedy, yeah. like a Thursday night TV too. Yeah. There was a thing to expose. Because now, really, if you want to see a comedian, and I have to apologise, I don't watch broadcast TV really anymore. So you've got se- Seven Days, which has been around forever and a day, mm. uh, which is great. I love, I love Seven Days. No, no, no. You know, not talking it down at all. Hmm. It's much better to see live though, being in the room. Just to, oh, ha- cool, to you saw it. Yeah, 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 I've been a couple yeah. of times. Good, good. Um, I work because I work with a bunch of those guys through radio and stuff when we're doing that. Mm. And there's this other one that's now showing on TV One, I, old TV Two probably. I don't know what it's called, but it's like Jesse Mulligan. I think now is no longer. He's gone to the other one. So there's a couple of places where comedians go. I think Urshel is now on TV NZ and doesn't do Seven Days. But other than those two, and it's a very different skill set to be able to make a. A whiz bang about a about a um, news event as opposed to, you know, making a fourteen minute story about a life event. So, as you say, looking at those shows and saying these are the best comedians, you're not necessarily seeing comedic skills to do that. You're seeing what observational kind of whiz bang moments that mm. they can come up with. Um, but really, to actually watch stand up comedy, mm. the only way you can do it at the moment in New Zealand. For New Zealanders, mm. is as in a club or a bar. Yeah, uh, or you can find it online. I mean, that's the thing as well, too. Somebody posting their things on YouTube right, and stuff Right, there, right, right. Yeah, okay. You, you, then, then it hasn't been selected for you. See, what I always found a bit odd about TV was I'm watching what somebody else has decided is funny. And sometimes I was like, oh. And sometimes they get it right. I'd think, great, you know, one sort of, one sort of snuck through. Uh, but uh, if you go to somewhere where there are no filters on what you – can see and what you are allowed to see again that's why open mic nights are so good yeah. you go that person might, might never have made it in front of my eyes but there's nothing can stop them now because i'm loving this and they're standing right there yeah it actually and, it actually inspires YouTube, me youtube well yeah and you can say anything you like you'll find your crowd yeah. youtube is good there that way as well too um but you were saying about pulp comedy when i was growing up pulp comedy was still on telly yeah and that's how i got in front of the nation was i went to christchurch to audition and that was my first paid well, it was my first paid thing. I got paid for little things down here. 
But that was when I got the contract in the mail. It was my flatmates. I was like, check this out because it was, you know, it was ridiculous. I mean, it was really good. They, four minutes is what they wanted from you. Yeah. And they were pay, paying you 300 bucks a minute. I said, how's that for an hourly wow. rate? That's yeah. $18,000 an hour. So anyway, but they, and they flew you up and they put you on and we were so lucky. And the comedians nowadays uh, don't have that. They have other means, but they don't have that. And I often think that that would be quite good to get the comedians out there, seen. You know, at the moment they have to pass through other programs now. So. What we don't seem to have is in New Zealand, and I know it sounds silly because there's like there is a, a group called iHeartRadio who has 250,000 podcasts on their service. They talk about it in their advertising. Yeah. Um, but what we don't have, because what you're talking about sounds like you hear American comedians talking about doing Johnny Carson or mm. doing the late night shows, mm. and they don't do them anymore. No. And one of the reasons they don't, or they don't do morning radio anymore because they can turn up to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Is that right? Tulsa, it feels right. And sounds the, good. Yeah. And they can use their social media to yeah. tell the people they're in town to sell it again. They don't need to go into Key Rock 105 yeah. in the morning. So they don't do breakfast radio and they don't do the night shows. They do a podcast and they have social media yeah. and they're all in control of it themselves. It's exciting. And, I, and we, mm. But what we don't really see is we don't really see it again that necessarily... So so they're not doing those, those late night gigs. Mm. In New Zealand, what we're talking about with the pop comedy thing is kind of the equivalent of it, four minutes, mm, you know, mm. which would be the late night thing. But we also don't yet have all these comedians then switching into the other mode. Yes, some of them have got social media presences, mm. but I don't know. Is it just... And I'm not trying to say, you know, America's got it all together in this world, but is it is it is it just because America's so big that they can do that? You know, if you've got 330 million people, well, the numbers are going down every day thanks to COVID, but if you've got 330 <coughs> million uh, people pulling into Tulsa, Oklahoma, you're bound to have a thousand people there that follow you. Yeah. So you so to fill out a, a 300 seater the, uh, theater is a piece of piss. That's it, it. Might just be the numbers, eh? That's it. If if the yeah, it is. Well, that's a large part of it because if you if you get a, a small percentage showing up to your show, you make enough in order to be able to do this all around the place. The comedians that did the college circuit, for example, throughout the states, they just keep rotating. By the time they got to the end, they can start again at the beginning. You know, mm. it's like. Painting. Just checking Tulsa is in Oklahoma. It's good to love it. Yeah. Uh, but it's like painting the Firth of Forth, you know, the bridge over the Firth of Forth in Scotland. The guys that paint it, by the time they've painted the bridge, yeah. it's time to start again at the yeah. So you just keep going. So, yes, in New Zealand, it's not that sustainable. However, the same principle applies there where you, yeah, it's getting to the point now where you, you're going to be, well, it happened a while back with South Park. Remember when Trey Parker and Matt Stone, they, um, they put South Park on a teeny wee American channel, and it was so popular that everyone flocked to that channel. Yeah, because that's the only place they could get it there. Well, a larger internet version of that has been happening ever since, which is where you, if you build it, they will come. Yeah, and word will spread, and so it becomes not. It becomes purely public driven. Like if if it, what it's actually like is it's like being in a stand-up club if you're the comedian on stage there is nobody between you and the crowd telling the crowd that this is funny and that they should laugh there's nobody you you get the feedback immediately yeah you, if you suck you know immediately that you suck and you really hear it and that's what drives the thing up there through the roof drives the standard up so yeah take away the gaps between the people and the art and uh, and they'll flock where they may and then people are now putting comedy into those gaps i mean we talked about um, Kyle Dunnigan, uh, his and I'll, I'll maybe I'll bring it up, but his um, 
Instagram account, mm. he uses it so differently from everybody else. Mm. His Instagram account is just comedy. Mm. I mean, other comedians who you have Instagram accounts, and all of them do, mm. you know, there'll still be things in there with them and their dog. Or even the, <laughs> me. Even the, the how dare even you? The much, <laughs> even the much beloved photo of their meal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Joe yeah. Rogan putting out there the latest elk steak that he's cooking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've got he, very little comedy on mine. Mine's mostly dogs, oh, but go. no food. But but mm. Kyle Dunnigan, it's only comedy. So he's actually not even you know moved the gap between the audience and him. He's mm. now using that gap mm. for his art as well, mm. which mm. is kind of cool. It's like. Finding new ways of doing this and new ways of, of, of using technology. That's it. And that's what COVID has done in a, in a, in a strange way is it has forced, um, it's forced people to think very, very laterally about what's, what's going to happen from now on. And the fact that a lot of stuff and entertainment might go online and people can find their way to, you know, to whatever works, people are starting to get really innovative. If you, if you put people in a corner and you squeeze and you say, right, the heat's on, what are you going to do? A, a, a tremendous amount of lateral thinking can happen and mm. stuff's going to sprout out of this disaster that is COVID that is going to mean the next few years creatively are going to be very interesting and probably go in a direction that, that didn't go before. And anything innovative and interesting like that, I'm all for. I'm not scared in the slightest. I'm absolutely about what's coming up next. What, what, what about what's coming up next with you? I'm, I've found for me uh, during COVID, I'm, I've got a bit of a kick on at the moment that if people go to my Instagram, they'll see some things I'm saying and putting on there about, uh, I think that all of us, and I would say all of us because maybe it's not you, but many of us, uh, haven't actually come to terms with what a fucked up year this has been. And I don't just mean, you know, for some people financially or for some people relationally, but actually for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I've got a big thing going on at the moment, how we need to be kinder to ourselves yep. and nicer to ourselves. And one of the things I'm doing is I put a, a little post up the other day that says, you know, for one for one success you receive in 2020, it's worth 20 successes any other year. That's exactly right. Because it's been such a difficult year with so many things going going on in the year mm. about that. Um so one of the things that I've realized is I've got a couple of other business interests and some stuff I'm doing. I'm basically closing them all down. Mm. So they haven't worked during COVID mm. and COVID has been like the straw that mm. broke their camel's back. Mm. So I'm going to move away from them. I'm going to close them all down. I just kind of turned away about eight domain names the other day, which like I'm then no longer going to be a part of my stable of things. Mm. And I'm going to go narrow mm. and I'm going to go deep on this stuff. Mm. So I've got a few more ideas for next year, but I'm going to push real hard. So it's not necessarily a new thing, but it's, the focus has been podcast and digital content and some other bits and pieces we're thinking about for this. For the next 12 months, I'm going to I'm going to push hard and I'm going to push narrow yeah. to see what we can get out there. But what about you saying these these things are exciting? What, what, what have you come out of COVID for yourself kind of thinking and looking at and thinking about, say, the next 12, 24, 60 months? Well, having just got married... Oh, uh, congratulations, I Yeah, that. thank you. <laughs> I didn't mean to throw that in oh, so occasionally. Having just got married. Uh, now, Laura and I got married at the end of October, and it was meant for the end of March, and so that quickly Bloody came. Yes, yeah, so we just missed out by like five <laughs> days. But luckily, um, the people that were coming were able to sort of reconvene. Um, but yeah, coming out of you know, like getting married and then having this going, it's one of those moments there where you go, right, this wasn't quite the the rosy carry-on that was happening uh, before COVID because mm. we had great plans. Uh, and so the, the plans are still there, but now it's just how do we approach them? Um, and, w I mean, half of my plans there, are, 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 you'll see them over the next 12 months, but there's wonderful stuff in place. 
um and uh like i i do i do animation i do voices and i'm playing around with different ideas and we just got talking about things that people might want to see that they might not see on tv and stuff there you can because you can throw anything up online now you can start to put things out there just little tasters and see if people like them and then you can do more and like yourself here i've got a, a studio at home that i got set up before everything all caved in oh this and i'm doing a bit of drawing oh cats pets oh. so so you're talking about your animation let me just throw this up for people to see it's it's not often you actually meet people. This is this is you, correct? Yeah, that's you're, real. You're that's, doing this that's real time. I'm drawing that real, real time. time. I've got then extraordinary fast. I hands. was just double, going to double check because we often see this kind of thing on. That's my hair. See down the bottom. Yeah. So this is this this is a, another skill I didn't know, didn't realize about you. Mm. You had, but it's like realist when it comes. Is this just pencil? And yeah. Like HB charcoal well, pencil we, or something. We got a dog before. Yeah. This is just a. This is actually that's a two dollar shop pencil there, and it's a two dollar shop pad. So this um, is your artwork that you did on the uh, on the fourth of this month. Yeah, that's it's right. Amazing. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful flame is the name of that cat. Yeah, and um, the reason was I drew Bonnie because we got Bonnie our dog just before COVID. Again, we were like, yay, got a house and mm-hmm. you know, gonna get married and got a dog. And of course, when COVID kicked in, people were like, oh, you must be glad to be with the dog. And I was like, yep, except creatively. <laughs> yeah. I so Laura was working as soon as working came back in after COVID there, and so I was. With Bonnie, we're both raising Bonnie, but I would be left with Bonnie. So when keeping an eye on the dog and things around the house and stuff there, drawing was something that I just began to do. I could do voiceovers into my microphone at home, but of course there was no uh, gatherings of people when we were going in and out of that time there. So the work was low. The, The audio and TV and radio work was low as well too because they were working with what was given to them about what had been made and so audio work was down a bit everything was down a bit mm. you begin to feel like you're going mad because you go why is there nothing out there and then you hear from other people no there's just nothing yeah. out there yeah, yeah yeah so i just drew and i drew bonnie and then people started to say well can you draw my pet so I drew now i'm getting humans so now i'm drawing all so kinds is of this is this turned into a little business oh i'm just i'm just drawing pictures for people and send them out and yeah they can we yeah it's, it's fun it's it's an exercise like you've got to keep it going how long, how long would that cat take you that picture we just saw what's that time frame? that would be about three hours i guess wow. maybe two maybe three is it like a cathartic thing as well yeah that's it exactly yeah. as a creative you've got to just keep going that's why i do the stop motion animation too yeah. is you're squishing clay or you're is doing there any, any of that pencil. on your facebook page you the stop motion yeah Oh, the, uh, if you go to YouTube. If I go to YouTube. Yeah, and then if you go to, um, oh God, what would it be under? Put on, put McKinney Animation. Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't want to bore the people with this too much. No, but I want to see it. I don't give a crap what they want to see. No, <laughs> oh, now go, uh, go Xmas. Go up the top and put Xmas afterwards. Uh, yeah. Xmas, yes. Yeah. There, so that's me at the top there. That's, yep. that's, um, I did that. Back. I right. did that 13 yeah. years ago, so, so I need to upload yours? more. Do we, more. Need to, do we need to bring the volume up? Yeah, sure, if you like. I, I did all the My voice. Christmas. Oh, it's all good, man. Especially when I get a pull of sleigh, like <laughs> towing it across the sky. You're flying, man. You're, you're just, you're so high in the sky. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, what's your favorite part of Christmas? Uh, cheetah. No yeah, 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 that's right. Let me get the shoes. Uh, I got little shoes. Look at that. Tiny. So, what do I like about Christmas? so I did all the voices. Is it like, is it plaster it? Yeah, it's Fimo. So you can bake it. So yeah. the middle of those are baked and the, the loose bits are left unbaked. And so this, <laughs> what I did was I, I, 
I was working for Studio Two at the time, or yeah. for Saturday Disney. So that was Squirt. That was the involvement with Squirt. Oh, I the Squirt was before that. Right. So Squirt was when I lived down here. I've lived I lived in Auckland for twelve years after I came back from Edinburgh, and I was a director. Uh, I was a, I was a writer, the writer for Saturday Disney, and I would they would let me direct out in the field a few times with Jermaine Leaf and cool. Vic, Vicky Lynn, which was so much fun. Yeah, and they sort of. Oh, just turn it up, this guy here. This is the voice. There's a timing for getting together and eating lots of divorced, which is the sausage. Yeah, so that, that, sorry, that was just a German guy. <laughs> so what, they, what, they, what I said to them was, I said, if I made some animation, would you put it on the show? And they were like, yeah, sure. And uh, But they sort of hamstrung me a bit because they said, if you put it on, we'd have to put it on tomorrow. What? And I went, oh, no, 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 I need, I need some time to animate this there. And they went, well, sorry, dude, that's, that's the way it is there. They, and they, I think they might have, well, it might have been a wee bit of, well, he'll never get it done by then. So, yeah. so I, I, at the end of the day, I went up to John, who was the cameraman. John Drew is a very, very good cameraman. Exceptional. Him, him and Lance Wordsworth were chosen by Ian Taylor to work at Studio Two and Saturday Disney. We shared them both. Wow, cool. Lance got taken on board the Earth Race boat. Yeah, oh, wow. Camera. Ian Taylor had the knack of choosing people just like this, highly talented people. So John and, and Lance, amazing. John was on his way home, and I said, John, can I borrow you for five minutes? I'll tell you why. I can't be bothered putting traffic noise in the back, so I'm going to take you out to the street, and I'm going to, you're going to ask me these questions, and I'm going to answer them five different ways as five different nationalities and characters. And he was like, okay, fine. And I said, I need you to film me, but don't worry about the camera, just the microphone. I just need a crystal clear, and I need cameras recorded very clearly. I took home the audio, cut it together into this, so here's why you hear traffic noise, ambient, ambient, uh, raconteur. And, uh, uh, and I made the characters, made the wall, hung the, that's plastic in the background there, lit the thing and shot it. It took me 13 hours to animate two minutes of stuff there, which yeah. is 25 frames, a, 24 frames a second, but I was doing two f shots per frame, so 12 movements per second. And after I had no sleep. And in the morning, he came to the door, and I had that, you know when you've been up all night and you get that olive oil sheen all over your face there? And I just gave him the finished thing and went, there. And he went, dude, oh, my God, you look really... And I was like, yeah. And it went to air. And they put it on. So, yeah, it's 13 hours straight animating, got two minutes of um, stuff there. But, yeah, and I've done other ads and stuff as well, too. But it's, it's so much fun because you push... And it's those little movements, those little sideways eye flickers and stuff, that double takes and things are so much fun. When, yeah. And so there's something, I mean, I always think about side hustles yeah. and income streams mm. and that kind of stuff. It sounds like you've done a lot mm. and you've got a lot of skills there for doing other things. But is this something you still would do now, do do now? Very much. Yeah? This, um, what was the last animation you made? Oh, well, it, w it would have been for... Uh, I've taken part in a lot of uh, CG stuff, but that's only as um, acting, actually physically animating, probably about 10 years ago. All right. Yeah. But uh, mu I've talked about music videos and everything since then. And that was the idea was during COVID, everyone was oh, learn Spanish or I'll do this. And I was meant to do such a wonderfully epic whatever, but of course, dog and planning and life <laughs> and stuff. So yeah. Um, but yeah, no, there's, there's so many things. It's, it's fun if if you're create. Everybody wants their, to create their own story, their own world, their own. Because as a comedian, you're bringing people into your world as well too. And even as an MC, when you're doing your corporate thing and you're in the suit on stage and you're help, helping out somebody else's conference or you know three days in Australia or helping out somebody's award ceremony, they want you to take them to another world every now and then. Yeah. That's that's they want you to. They, well, it's part of the storytelling. Yeah, you've yeah. done what they can't do. They're working hard. You've been yeah. playing in your own head, and you've created this little dream 
world and they don't mind being taken to it if you take them there the, the right way. I've entertained builders and plumbers and mechanics and that kind of thing, hard-working guys there, and led them, taken them by the hand, led them down a path to such a bizarre finishing point that you see them afterwards, and other comics do this all the time. They'll be clapping and turning to their mates, laughing, that was classic, and then they, you can see them going, well, how were we just how did, how did he get us laughing at that, you know? One of the best things I ever saw was a, a, an old farmer had been brought along to a corporate night by his wife. He'd clearly been tugged along, you know. He's one of those <laughs> farming guys who belonged. You could tell he wanted to get back. He had things to do back on the farm. But, <laughs> and this was at the at the Classic, and the corporate night was there. And He's one of these guys, you know, he's more comfortable in the field. One of those, you know how farmers always look like they've been stuffed into their suit? Nothing quite fits. It's kind of like a barrel. Yeah. yeah just a barrel just, shape. But everything's a bit misshapen. It doesn't yeah, yeah. belong and it. it's not comfortable. Like children want to get out of whatever top they're on. <laughs> and he, but he was being, he loved her and she was happy that he was right there and she was talking to everyone. And, and then the comedy came on and he was having a miserable time because he had other things on his mind. But I was looking at him because you sit up the top. If you're a comedian, you can sit up and watch the show. And then I love to watch the reactions of people. I enjoy being at events, rock concerts and stuff, even if just to see the crowd around. I'll enjoy what's going on, but this is epic. Watching yeah, how yeah. people enjoy things is really good. And I watched him and I thought, oh, you poor guy, you love her so much and you're here for her and it's great, but you're having a miserable time. He had his beer in front of him and you could tell he was hanging on to that just for <laughs> grim death. But I knew the, the comedian's bit on stage I knew what was coming up and I thought I knew what joke he was going to tell in a bit and I thought I think that he might like what I know is coming so I I waited and watched and the the joke happened and it hit him and he, he didn't know what it hit him and I, here's what he did he was sitting there just grumpy kind of thing and waiting for it all to finish and, and he suddenly went ha! and laughed <laughs> out of the blue sorry about your microphone there. and he laughed it came out of nowhere he laughed against his will now, when you tell a joke that's funny enough that somebody laughs, he was like a dog that had farted itself awake. You know, yeah. the way they're kind of, they're upset and, and he didn't know where to come from and he wanted more. So he immediately locked on and he realized that he could get a feed of dopamine from this. But that was really something to me was to see somebody, uh, yeah, laugh against their will. It was. Yeah. Do, do you know, you don't know, but and I'll tell you it. something. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and talk about going full circle because mm. we're professionals and stuff. I did that during that LOL program. You laughed that loud. Cool. There was a yep. there was a moment where I didn't realise the laugh was coming. Yeah. And it exploded out of me. Yeah. There was good. just a particular moment. Yep. Um, yeah. Laura was watching Joe Rogan last night, the Netflix thing. Yep. And that happened to me too. I burst out laughing at something he said that was just so outrageous. And it, that and it surprised me. Yeah. And you're delighted too because you're yeah. like you're like oh I'm capable of making a really weird noise very yeah. loudly. I've actually found that as I've gotten older, I find it easier to laugh. Mm -hmm. Like some of the things, I, I have the ability, probably because of head trauma, to watch things multiple times. Mm -hmm. Like if I watch... Oh, but everyone, I do that. Yep. If I watch something five years ago, I can watch it now and I'll have forgotten 40% of it. Yeah. And it's, I can watch it again and enjoy it sort of thing. Mm. So And so I'm a huge fan of South Park. Yeah. And I watch some of those episodes now. And I find them to be funnier. Yeah. And I find myself, whether I'm by myself, with my kids, whatever, laughing out loud like I would never do previously mm. at things that I would have found really funny mm. but wouldn't have laughed out loud. I don't know whether, you know, as you get older, things start to loosen up. I don't know if the sense of humor is one of those things, but other things certainly do. And, and yeah, I, I reckon I'm 
the strange juxtaposition that in such a tough year for so many people, yeah. I don't want to put myself out there as a victim because there's many, many have had it worse than me, but we all live our own reality. Mm. And, it, and for me personally, you know, personal life and marriage and all that kind of stuff for a tough three or four years, mm. I'm finding it easier to laugh today than I ever have. I'm mm -hmm. not sure, and I'm not sure, I've never said this out loud. Mm. I've thought it, but I've never said this out loud, and I'm not sure why. So I find it easier to laugh today mm. than I ever have. Well, that's good news, and I'm glad you said it out loud. Yeah. I'm glad you said it to me. I feel flattered. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, this is what happens in this podcast. We just start talking, yeah. and things come up. Well, what about, okay, you know, like... COVID is like a mini depression. Like, you know how they said during the Great Depression, the, the two things that didn't stop selling were comedy, uh, you know, as an entert entertainment, so films as well too. I guess beer, was it? And beer. Yeah. Yep, it was, it was alcohol and people wanted to drink and they still wanted to laugh. And I think COVID is a form of that kind of thing going on there where people have gone, let's laugh. And let's laugh at things that, r that are really a bit, um, a bit wrong or catch us off guard. What's happened at the same time as COVID interestingly is there has been this uh, a bit of cancel culture and a bit of being socially aware which is fantastic all the good sides that come with that are, are great where people are being treated more fairly the, the the casualty to that has been there has been less audacity and humor and there has been less risk taking and humor because people have been you know nervous about that there so Right when people needed something wicked to laugh at, and not mean, not offensive, yeah. not the slash, it's not slighting anybody, but I think there perhaps might have been a bit of a. Uh, that's why we laugh at stuff that was made a while ago, like South Park, like you say, is yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the audacity. You're like, oh my god, how the, like, how could they do that, and how could they do it so freely? Like, so much seems to be. Oh, this sounds so bad. It sounds like we're talking about the good old days. There's plenty of good comedy being made now, but I know what you mean about the South Park thing. Where well, but actually, no, but the South Park thing has got. I mean, I've, I I'm a little bit addicted to Matt and Trey there. I, I if yeah. I see an interview or I read everything and I watch everything because uh, I said this just yesterday, and I hate repeating myself so much on the podcast, but I love the creative process. Yeah. And so their six days to wear documentary, everyone should see. Oh yeah, who likes yeah. creating things? It's just it's just a an absolute benchmark for the creative process. Mm. Um, but they say themselves that today it's the opposite. Mm. What they do today, they never could have done in series one. They refer to it as series one. It's like yo, they call it Yo Gabba Gabba, which is basically a kids show in America that's like oh everything's happy and fair and uh. oh I see. And they so they the actually they actually yeah. think now. They do stuff. I mean, probably since, you know, the, the bleeding Virgin Mary and that kind of <laughs> stuff. It's gone on and on and on and on and on. And, on. And, you know, and um, Mr. Oh, what's his name? Mr. The Hankey. teacher. No, oh, the Mr. Teacher. Um, Mr. Garrison. Oh, yeah. When Mr. Garrison. Mr. Garrison was Miss Garrison and there was a scissoring scene, yeah. you know, they they have got more and more and more and more and more down yeah. that path. But... But then they but, but but they've also always been the ones that haven't abided by the that's rules. That's what I'm saying. They're hardly I, going to be the ones that toe the line. But I also think that the thing that perhaps we're missing, and the thing that's to be concerning about, it's I don't know if it's that we're missing that over the edge comedy and stuff now, but what we're missing is the young comics doing it because you know the the. DC, he who shall not be named, because I've mentioned his name too many times in this thing, and the Joe Rogans and the Tom Seguras and the Irish Affairs and these guys who are already oh, at the top of their game. Yeah. They're like, I don't get, you know, Joe Rogan signs a $100 million deal. Spotify, he yeah. doesn't give a fuck if he gets cancelled. In fact, he's the one that kind of is the trend of who gets cancelled. Yeah. Not that he's actively doing it. Yeah. He doesn't care, but the 22-year-old in some club in 
Auckland or in Sydney or in New York, yeah. they have to be careful if they say the wrong thing that they don't then get picked oh, up by Saturday Night Live. That's so sad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so I, it I, is. I wonder yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wonder and I don't know, but I wonder if what you're seeing is more coming from the next layer who won't push those boundaries. Because the guys who, you know, um, Dave got a $60 million deal for three specials and he had two of them filmed already. He mm. tells off the story and he goes, here's two. Mm. He literally just handed them over. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, right. Rogan gets a $100 million deal for Spotify. Yeah. These guys aren't worried about being cancelled so much. They don't, no. that doesn't matter. But if you're still living in a shoebox apartment in yeah. South Auckland or in Tribeca or in I don't know uh, yeah. d- down by the the docks in Sydney, mm. there's 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 more to it being concerned about not being able to go up through the process to get to that check in 15 years time, perhaps. Yeah, I think I think you could be right. I think it would be a shame if you meant well and got shot down early on. I like yeah, I, I see what you mean. If you if you went to a club and got booed out of it um, because it, or, or thrown out, and your name besmirched, sort of like oh you know we can't have them here, and you were like I was just finding my feet, you know I was yeah. doing this. I mean, I mean yeah. you've, you've never seen Jimmy Carr take a backward step, you know, in the no. last ten years since he's been at the top of his game. Yeah, but Jimmy Carr, whoever that is, who's currently nineteen, starting in the clubs in London, yeah. who wants to be there next week, who wants to then get the job on Radio One or whatever, mm. might take a different approach and might not turn into the Jimmy Carr that there was today. On the other hand, I, I think I know. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying there. On the other hand, if you play it too safe, then yeah. you be, then you become insipid and you. You merge into the background and you become sort of beige. And uh, if, I think that's the problem. I think that what we're doing in society a lot at the moment, forget comedy, life. Yeah. As we're looking to paint people beige. Yep. The way that we can go, everyone's the same. Mm. No one's different. Mm. And I'm not going to be one of those boomers because I'm not a boomer. I'm mm. a Gen X. Tell my children that. Mm. I, I told my 14 year She goes, Daddy, you're a boomer. I said, No, I'm, I'm a Gen X. You know what she fucking said, my 14 year old? That's such a boomer thing to say. <laughs> Such a little cow. <laughs> oh, the irony. She's quick, man, that yeah. one. She's quick. You such and I a, are both Gen X. Such, this is yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. what she said to me. She said, oh, it's such a boomer thing to do. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of, and, and I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, um, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're painting things to be beige. I, I, I'll tell you. I, okay, you jump in. Uh, no, no, sorry. No, you finished yeah, what Yeah, I'm just trying to remember yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, in society, you felt that that was the way things were going there as well, too. Like, um I don't want to quite say things were better in the past and that kind of stuff. No. That's, not, that's not what I'm at. No, there's a bright future, but yeah. I hear where you're coming I, from. I, I think that I heard someone talking the other day. Actually, no, I'm not going to talk about that because I don't know if it's true or not. I don't like putting out information. Ah, if I, okay. I, I'll happily say I've heard someone say I don't know if it's true and putting stuff out there. Mm. But if I'm still wanting to work on it and figure out if it is true, I won't. Right. Typically, I'll tell you afterwards. Yep. <laughs> I'm Robbie okay. and I'll tell you afterwards. <laughs> but I think the idea of us all being the same, mm. you know, and I, uh, this is what I was going to say. I'm not one of those people that kind of goes, oh, you know, you should never have partition medals at a primary school. But actually, it feels like on some level at the moment, we're now getting those participation medals in adulthood mm. you know and we don't want and it's the tall poppy syndrome to the max at the moment yep. and that kid that 19 year old who's unbelievably offensive mm. within the context of comedy or or you know maybe they're a writer mm. and maybe that's another you know that's another artistic endeavor mm. where they're pushing boundaries and trying things I just hope that there's at least someone around them, someone they can look to, whether they know them or not, whether it's a 
a famous writer or comedian or actor offshore, whether it's mm. someone in their circle, mm. that they can go, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay the path. I'm this is me, this is my this is my artistic output, mm. this is how I wanna do it, I'm gonna stay the path because those are the guys mm. that'll be the next Dave Chappelle's or Joe Rogan's or 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 uh, Jimmy Carr's or whoever it is. You've just nailed it. And and in the in the in the comedy industry in New Zealand actually, Brendan Lovegrove is a um, colleague of mine and he is particularly good at helping uh, the young comics come oh, up good. through the ranks there. He's the one. He at, Brendan is such a fan of comedy that he will actually um, mentor them, but just with a gentle word or two afterwards or suggestion here and suggestion there. And you'll never find out from him that he did it. You'll find out from them. They'll say, gee, it was great the way he took me aside and just said, no, maybe try this, maybe do that. Because Brendan wants to see things work. You'll get other comics who might want to be seen to be helping um, young comics, right. but they're not really. Not hardly any of those, but uh, but Brendan's one of these. Re- he wants it to flourish, and so he's the one who will say, because he knows the difference between uh, purely just purely offensive, and offensive and good. Because there's a difference, you know. You can't just go wild and crazy and and then go, I'm random, so accept me. I'm different. Or you can't go, you're you're um, dismissing me because I'm different mm. when you're only random. You have mm. to be funny too. Mm. But Brendan's really good at spotting the funny. And, you know, if it's the whole package, great, bring it on. And you've got to nurture that. Because it's it's like in school. Like when when I was at school there, you had to find your strengths. I wasn't very strong, never have been. I mean, strong legs, but that's about it. <laughs> um, but you find your you find your strengths. What's going to get me through school? And mine was my voices. If a bully was going to sort of get me, if I pulled out a teacher's voice or did some kind of impersonation or mimicked something, something that could often prevent you from getting, you know. So you become like superheroes. What's your thing? What's your power? Human Torch, the Hulk, you know. And so voices and in in and and taking risks and coming through the comedy industry as well too. If every comedian can find their thing that puts them out from the crowd, then you don't blend. You don't need to have a superpower, but if you do, then it helps. I, I did silly voices, and so that helped me. Yeah. But if you blend, because if you blend, then you are safe, but then you're inherently un- unfulfilled. And I want all of the comics in New Zealand coming up through the ranks to be as random as possible, because, mm. because that's where it's going to work. All you have to do is be you, and then learn how to be you funny as well, too. Because everyone loves uniqueness, but if you can blend that with high quality humour, you've got you've got a you've got something that nobody else can copy too. It's one of those lessons that I got taught uh, early on in radio. Mm. It's like the best radio announcers are themselves, mm. but they're themselves on a cup of coffee. They're just five percent elevated, but yeah. they're not putting on a show. They're still themselves. Yeah, with 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 professional. Um, Benefits in there as yeah. well too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they Fre- know the ropes. Friends yeah. with benefits, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was just going to say, and I think it's probably time for us to wrap up this little TARDIS of a mm. of a thing that we do with the time so, flies so by. Yeah. Um, but you live in Dunedin, we can do this again next week. Yeah, I will to. be here half the time in Dunedin and half the time up north. Right. <laughs> we might have bought a house here, but we spend half the time up north. Nice. So great, yeah. um, you talking about you know doing comedy, young people on stage. I, I just was reminded then, and you said something again now, which reminded me again. Um, I. I I trained to be a primary school teacher. Mm. And amongst that training, one of the things they did was they taught us about, you know, they teach kids, kids, we are the kids being taught at university, Mm. how to teach kids. Mm. And I can remember distinctly being taught in a PE lesson about teaching kids how to play tennis. And so they had a tennis coach there who was a you know professional who was teaching all these students how to teach primary school kids how to play tennis. And I remember distinctly him saying, 
don't worry about the outlines all you try and do with a kid when they're starting to play tennis is make really good contact with the ball if they can make really good contact with the ball yeah and it hits the fence at the back and goes out by 10 meters that's a win yeah nice. because it's the skill they gain as they go on which will get them to control that power but all you're trying to do with a kid when they're yay big mm. is good contact with the ball that's it mm. i think about that a lot it's a good one when i like that a lot when it comes to life yeah because so often i think whatever it is be it a young person doing comedy be it starting a new job be it trying a new whatever mm. we try and hit the ball as hard as we can and perfectly onto the line no. on day one whereas the metaphor that well it's not a metaphor what he did but the metaphor i take from it is make good contact with the ball mm. solid contact yeah. so it flies well yeah we'll worry about getting in getting it in in the months that's, to come that's perfect i really like that i enjoy that and that that also to me is like the old kind of if you feel like you don't want to try something because you might fail and in this day and age your failure can be shown up on social media and everywhere more than perhaps you could fail sort of in private when you were young you know yeah. ages ago <laughs> and so now it, people are scared of failing well don't don't be afraid to fail it sounds like such a cliche but it is so true and that's that's a good one there hit it with all you've got going on if you're feeling a bit low as well too and like you can't be bothered sometimes you can't be bothered getting off the couch i know at times i felt like that too it's amazing what a walk around the block will do just yeah. change your location people go yeah yeah i'll still feel the same well you might yeah or something could happen F further down the road you bounce into it, yeah. Good contact and to heck with where the ball lands. I love that. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, because once the skill starts to improve, mm. that's when you start to start we, to control the ball. Yeah. But if you can, you know, like because you don't want to hit the ball and have it bounce off the frame, or whatever of the racket. Yeah. Hit it in the middle, nice sweet. You know when you hit a golf ball and you hear that real, that proper when you hit yeah. a pro like I, I played a lot of golf in my twenties and mm. when you hit it well, you're mm. like fucking a. I don't care where that goes, it yeah. sounds. That's why that's why driving that's right. ranges are so good because yeah. you sound yeah. amazing. Now the ball might shoot off to the that's left, right. but matter. if it sounds amazing, wouldn't off that be head? great to have a golfer say that to people? Say, oh, look where you put that. Doesn't matter. Did you hear that? I play it back. That was awesome. That was really good. Hey, um, Simon McKinney, mm. it's yes. been an absolute blast. Yeah. And um, even though you've uh, said of, of your website it's out of date, if people want to find out more about you, where's the best place for them to find you if they want to come so and see good day and see your stuff? See yeah. your drawings of cats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Facebook is good. Uh, Facebook forward slash Simon McKinney will get you to uh, yeah to to a place where we can yeah where they can see stuff and if they look at look at stuff on YouTube, it's fun as well too. But yeah, stay tuned because I'm gonna get. Yeah, I think we're everyone's in a creative frame of mind, and I I know COVID's been bad, but I can't wait to see what happens artistically over the next uh, year with yep. everyone. Totally, I'm feeling yeah. yeah. Well, we've been talking about this for who knows what six months to a year. Yeah, we've finally done it. Finally done it. I'm hope, glad to be in the same town and be able to sit across the desk from you. I hope time. you've enjoyed yourself yeah, yeah. while we've been in here. And uh, Dave, thanks for coming in. Cheers, man. Thanks. All right, team, uh, thank you to Simon for coming in and having the podcast. I think that'll be the last face-to-face -face podcast we do in 2020. I'm not quite sure. Still a couple of things to drop for next week and then probably take a couple of weeks off podcast. Although what we do here often is if we get an opportunity, we go for it. And, um, you know, during the summer holiday period, you have um, bands and 
comedians and people touring the country. So uh, we will play that with a little bit uh, by ear. But at the moment, the plan is kind of uh, between Christmas and uh, New Year's, the week after New Year's, probably doing uh, nothing in the podcast world. But as we've said, um, the best way to track us, to see what we're up to, is to head to... um, Facebook and look up DOCNZ, so facebook.com forward slash DOCNZ, or go to thedoc.nz, um, or follow me on my socials at Pat Brittenden on both Instagram and Twitter, and we'll always put up links there as to who's coming up when and what we're talking about. Hey, thanks for joining us again today. It was fun. Um, I hope you are having a good old day, and I hope you are safe wherever you are. If you're outside New Zealand in particular, be extra safe with this whole crappy COVID crappy crap crap that's going on at the moment but if you're inside New Zealand don't be complacent to COVID COVID complacency will bring back that little cut you know what I'm trying to say Um, but wherever you are wash your hands hug a loved one Um, you know watch something on the telly remember that LOL program if you heard the conversation it is really genuinely funny Um, if you don't have Amazon Prime which I'm pretty sure where it is just look up LOL Rebel Wilson on YouTube you'll get some clips and it's a bloody hilarious watch watch that on the telly that will make you laugh and until we see you next time hooroo